Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director at Citizen Action Wisconsin and welcome to another week from, uh, depending on where you live, pretty smoky Wisconsin. Uh, we are without, unfortunately, Priscilla Bort. She is out this week. We wish her well and look forward to having her back later this summer. Um, but we are fortunate to be with Robert Craig, who's actually not in the smoky state of Wisconsin. Robert is on the road out on the East Coast. Robert Craig, good to have you. Good morning from the Shenandoah Mountains. I tacked on a little hiking after our People's Action National Convention this week, which Matt here also attended, but he is back in, uh, Matt, I hear, smoky Milwaukee. Uh, it's a bit better today. This is the first morning, and again, we record Thursday morning where it doesn't smell like a bonfire. Um, we're still, the air is still not great. Uh, it's better than what it was. Um, I had the good fortune of, I didn't get back in until late Tuesday. It sounds like Tuesday was the worst day. Uh, yesterday was still not good. Uh, but Robert, this is everywhere. It's um, it's throughout the state. Madison, Dane County still had terrible air yesterday. Uh, and it's pushing, pushing further south too. So but Robert, I think it's worth mentioning this because we did have a deeper and a longer conversation about this problem when the East Coast uh, suffered from what was even worse uh, air numbers than what we're seeing this time around. But still, they're all in the very unhealthy. We discussed the direct connect to the climate change and just any further thoughts you might have on that, even though you are not having to directly experience it. I know it's something that you know is connected to a lot of work we're consistently working on on our climate and uh economic equity work well and i um you know they had it out here a couple of weeks ago right now it's more like wisconsin was a couple of weeks ago the air quality is you know near danger but it's not you know visible the way it's been in wisconsin this week so this can change because this is a tangible change the debate because this is a tangible proof that the earth is burning so I ran out to get a little, you know, protein uh, before the show this morning and uh, went to a Southern grocery store food saver. And the cashier, who was a, a Christian fundamentalist, uh, said that these wildfires proved to her with her Southern twang that we really do something about the climate problem. So that that can cut through the way all of the various arguments, statistics do not, that it's visible and folks can see it and understand it. Yeah, I mean, we sometimes uh, call these shocks, right? Shocks to the system that give people an opportunity to reevaluate and rethink what their uh, uh, information is that helps them make decisions like this. So, Robert, uh, look, we're we're not going to spend a whole lot of more time talking about this this week because we have so much more to talk about. But we wanted to at least start the show by mentioning it because it's it's critical it's historic and it does present us an opportunity to change the norm right now on the way pe people think about this so however robert with that i do want us to move on and discuss some uh, state budget and uh, we also had a marquette poll and you know i love to terrorize you with polling in particular the marquette poll so i do want to talk about both of these things and and a number of things that are related to them i want to mention we are going to be joined uh in the next segment or later in the show by dan schaefer who is of 
the recombobulation area on Substack to talk about Mark Antanasio's continued non-going effort to get money and to get our tax dollars in particular. Um, we're going to talk more about that later in the show. So, Robert, before we do that, I want to talk with you about the Marquette Law Poll, because it then will lead into a discussion on the state budget, which is at a critical juncture right now. Um, the Marquette Law Poll, since I know you didn't read it, I'm going to summarize it for you, Robert. The state is really close. <laughs> we're, it's we're a we're a div highly divided <laughs> state. Um, okay, now let me get serious. Um, look, Biden's approval remains underwater, but not like deeply, and it's hasn't really changed. Nothing's really changed in people's perception of Biden. That being said, he continues to hold leads over uh, both President Trump and DeSantis. But the interesting thing is the GOP race is really a two-person race. Everybody else, as we have suspected in our previous discussions on the show, is nowhere to be, be found. Pence is the strongest of the, the week at 6%. This is really a Trump-DeSantis race. This is a mega race, right? Uh, and this, this state appears currently to be leaning towards DeSantis. But, Robert, the thing I want to really get your comment on, because it leads into the state budget, is Governor Evers. Governor Evers is very popular right now. In fact, he is his popularity levels in the Marquette poll are at the highest pre-COVID. And if folks remember, Governor Evers was pretty popular heading into COVID. COVID is the thing that kind of took him down back to like, shall we say, Biden or parody numbers. Uh, his he, He's in the high 50s now with approval ratings. And the reason I want to get your comment on that is this is critical for the state budget fight in him using his leverage as the only statewide person in this uh, debate. Robert, your thoughts on the Marquette poll and in particular, these Evers numbers and how this might connect to our critically and historic fight over the state budget. So just first on that we're doing this topic, um, I want to say that the incessant polling in our society, um, which, you know, drives media coverage, which therefore doesn't look at underlying things or what's really going on in our society and what affects people's lives is not great. And most of the polls do not find much new information. Now, this, you know, Marquette Law School can spend their money the way they want, but it's when campaigns spend poll after poll and outside groups rather than building power that it's a problem. So, okay, I, I'll, re I'll relate this to, um, um, you know, uh, uh, Mike Greenberg once said in, in the aughts when Lou Pinella was the Cubs manager and he had some blow up and it was the big national headline, he just came back sarcastically, news alert, Lou Pinella is fiery. In other words, everyone knows that, that he popped off all the time. Why is it news that he popped off again? And so news alert, Wisconsin is a battleground state. Okay, let's get that out of the way, right? We we knew that. We didn't need another poll, but it's been confirmed yet again. Uh, news alert, despite 
the uh, for for folks like us, the obviousness of there being only one governing party in this country and one party that that it committed to democracy that's not an authoritarian party. For much of the public, this is not clear, and hence Biden with a two-point lead over DeSantis in Wisconsin, which, by the way, is being framed nationally on cable as a better number for Biden than the others, tells you it shouldn't be a dogfight, but it's going to be a dogfight. Now, it's interesting that Trump does much worse in the general in Wisconsin against Biden than DeSantis, and that's not true everywhere, though it's true a lot of places. So, but he is much stronger than DeSantis in primary, which means DeSantis has a huge uphill battle to defeat him because he is the chosen one, the one who can speak to all of the anger and hate and division that divides us and keeps people thinking about, you know, our society and our and 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 our connectedness to each other and need to solve our problems together. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't care about that. I want to talk about Governor Evers. Governor Evers. Okay. <laughs> so. Look, here is the danger. I am concerned because Governor Evers' numbers are good in this. He's up to pre-pandemic highs. What this shows is, is that staying out of the fray is popular. And I'm really concerned that the people who advise Evers consider that a victory and that they're winning and therefore don't want to change. But that means handing over the keys to the state to this legislature. What if you're if you're you're elected to govern and represent people and represent the 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 current interests and long-term interests of the state, your job when you have capital is to spend it. And so this is an example of where he should be having a budget impasse and fighting and using his popularity as a wedge against Republicans who, because of the changes of the Supreme Court, for the first time in over a decade, face the prospect of competitive districts where they could actually be punished, where there's actually democratic elections for state assembly and state Senate. Yeah, so this is, look, I think it's really good news. When I read that, I was like, okay, right? And I think, you know, you could you I, and I'm not sure, Robert, if you would directly attribute, as you had said, this to his sort of staying above the fray. I, I actually think that's part of it. But I think a lot of it is just in this is the premise of why we think he needs to veto this budget or at least threaten major vetoes to drag folks back to the table, their leadership, which to me requires a veto at this point is because the issues are so popular that he is backing, right? They are what people care about. People care about access to healthcare. The childcare issue is an absolute critical, fundamental issue. Public education, right? These are the UW system. We're talking about legalizing marijuana. It's like you can go on and on and pick your favorite of the 500 plus things that they removed that the governor supports, not because he's some radical, because these are mainstream, popular ideas that the governor embraces. And as you said, is, is embraced at some level above the fray. Well, this is the one and only opportunity that he has to have leverage is the state budget. This is the one time both the legislature and the governor have to come in agreement. They have to pass a state budget. And this is where I think 
there's a mistake going on right now. They seem to think they're on some kind of timeline where they have to finish it like right away. Or, you know, I heard Robin Voss is going on vacation, Robert. We need to, we need to like take that into consideration. Let Robin Voss go on vacation. Cause you know what? Veto the budget and say, I'll be back when you come back from your vacation. I'll be sitting in the Capitol waiting to meet you. And that clown Senator LeMahieu who wants to give all of our wealth away to the richest amongst us, right? I'm willing to have that debate with you folks. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are talking about the state budget. Uh, we specifically were talking about it within context of the new Marquette poll that came out that found that the governor is a popular person right now. And I, you know, proffer that it's because he's supporting very popular ideas right now. Um, Robert, more thoughts on the state budget and Governor Vito. Governor Evers. Oh, did I call him Governor Vito? That's what I'd like to call him. Thank you. Governor No Vito. Um, so because rumor there's rumor circulating that he's wavering on any fight on this budget. I uh, hope maybe the Marquette poll will change that. I don't care about yeah. rumors, Robert. I care about what actually happens. So let what I agree. Next I agree. Up, Robert. Like trade rumors with the Brewers versus actual trades. Thank you. Sir. So here's what I think. You 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 posit the hypothesis that Governor Evers is very popular because of the package of issues in his budget that have been removed. I counterposit that. And that's Let, not hold the only on. Thing. Let me be careful. I don't posit because of these package of issues. He has broadly, throughout his whole time, supported these things. They've always been removed. They've these are things that have consistently. So it's not just state budget actions. He has been going about talking about a number of these things. These are the things he's generally been for. He's been for popular public things that so i don't mean specifically narrowly about tactical things within the people aren't following that shit robert that's my point and you we're talking about an increase in his polling so if he's always been for them that doesn't explain the increase here's what i would say he hasn't had a fight over these issues so so most people don't know that their legislator took them out of the budget okay they did it in a 545-item motion on a Tuesday afternoon. The media did one story on all of it, and most people don't read the very limited state news coverage of, of a state budget that it, that's there anyway. It's not like the old days, Matt, where your dad, I'm sure, read the, the, the morning paper with his coffee and knew what was going on generally. I'm guessing, given that Milwaukee was a two-newspaper town then, I, I don't want to stereotype, but I'm guessing your dad was a Sentinel reader and not a journal reader. Now you'd be wrong correct? there. No, okay. he liked to read the journal when he came home, but that's okay. Okay, okay, that was the liberal paper. So good for him. No wonder he was a very reasonable man for a Republican. So anyway, I think that the governor, if he was to select a couple battlegrounds in this budget, I wish he'd done public uh, education and kept the voucher deal out. We talked about that last week because uh, that has a huge electoral driving power. But he still has health care, another one with bad care expansion. He has other ones like child care, which is coming huge, paid family medical leave. 
I'd like to say marijuana. I'm not sure it's going to punish them at the polls, but it's not going to hurt him if he makes a fight over it. And then have an impasse where the public is focused on those issues, which are popular, and who is stopping them. Because at election time, what happens is, is their Republican state rep comes back and says, I'm for public school funding and I'm for quality, affordable health care. And people don't know because we don't make it clear what they're doing. The way Fighting Bob LaFollette took over was making it clear what everyone's incumbent state assembly person and state senator was really doing with the big interest, the big powerful corporate interest, as opposed to what they were telling their own constituents. So, Robert, I think it's really, really important for our listeners to understand we are at a very critical juncture right now as we record and as you listen. Um, the Republicans want to create this sense of urgency that this is moving. Well, just so you know, Voss wants to go on vacation. Um, that is not our timeline. That's not the public's timeline. Uh, we actually need Governor Evers to stretch this out and actually have it start now with a veto and a request to start leveraging and negotiating over key and very popular things and starting to have a public discussion. Robert, talk more about that piece and your thoughts as to what really needs to happen. And you lay this out for our listeners. It's laid out in great detail in a Wisconsin Examiner op-ed that was just released this morning, Thursday morning. We'll have a link to that uh, in the show links. Robert, more specifically about that, what, 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 what are we really calling on the governor to do here? Yeah, and and the op-ed expresses, and it's it's really a double op-ed in many ways in terms of length, because um, it has a lot to land. What would be a viable strategy for the governor to fight and win with the authoritarian-leaning gerrymandered legislature? And what it what it's about is it talks about using badger care expansion as the issue. We'd love if public education is another one. You need issues that can really really affect election outcomes if you make a big issue of them uh, it, because they're facing potentially fair maps because of the new Supreme Court. If for the first time there actually is some democratic accountability, they don't know who's who will be in what district and who will have fairer maps than others. So there's a bit of uncertainty. And so what you need to do is, you see, the governor thinks he's being the adult of the room. I've been told this by administration officials and even by the governor. And therefore, if he was to veto the whole budget, what happens is the previous budget stays in place. It doesn't shut down the government in Wisconsin, like the federal level. And that means an austerity budget that in real terms is massive cuts because there are no inflationary adjustments. Everything costs more. And that they would blame him and walk away. And Robin Voss would go on vacation. If you did a big section of it, like education or Medicaid, same thing. So that's what we're not saying. What they do is you see the hostage taking, Voss's hostage taking was very similar in the shared revenue debate to what they tried at the national level over the national debt. We're going to do this horrible thing. We're willing to do it because we don't really care about consequences unless you capitulate to our right-wing demands. And in the case of the national level, Biden out-bargained them, found leverage, and backed them down. And most observers think he got a much better deal than anyone expected. 
by figuring out what the pressure points were. Governor Evers is basically saying there's no way to fight them. They'll do more damage. So I'm going to sign mostly their budget. And that's a mistake. In fact, that's giving into a, that's rewarding hostage shaking. So they'll take more. And it's actually what leads to authoritarianism is democratic leaders, small d democratic, not standing up to folks who don't adopt and follow uh, current norms. So what the proposal is, is you pick out a couple very popular impactful issues that you want to have an impasse on and draw public attention to. Therefore, you want an impasse and you want intense public focus to put pressure on them and make it clear who is stopping the popular things that I really want and need for my family. And then the second thing you do is you use the veto, which is the most powerful in the country by far. He can change budget numbers and policy to take out a whole bunch of things that are important to them. And you say, I am going to take all these things out unless you will negotiate over budget care expansion. Name a couple other issues. I wish it was public education. It could be child care. It could be family medical leave. It could be marijuana legalization. You say, Matt. Some popular issues, but healthcare and access to it, its cost is a burning electoral issue. So that for sure, education is the other biggest one. And then have it out with them and try to back them down. And if they don't back down, nothing changes. You take away their things, but they can't do any more damage. And it sets up for the elections. You try to win now. If you can't, you win in November of 2024. So, folks, the only way this strategy works first is if we find our agency and our voice and we need you to call the governor's office immediately uh, 608-266-1212 tell him he needs to use his leverage use his immense leverage in this situation against this gerrymandered legislature we need him to be encouraged by us uh, and so please uh, do your part. Make sure you make that call. Make sure you send stuff out on social media, encouraging other people to do this. Because essentially what we're saying here is we need the governor to stand up to a bully. And, and in this case, the legislature is representing power. It's representing the corporate bully, right? This is all essentially for wealthy tax breaks. We haven't even had enough time to talk about this is all really just to pay for a $3.5 billion tax cut for the wealthy and the special interests, right, that are behind all of these folks. And so this is about standing up to a bully. This is a very popular governor right now, and we need him to do that. And we need you to do that. We play an important role in encouraging this governor. He listens to public opinion. Please, please, folks, get involved. And wh why this is so important is this is a fundamental strand that's not only running through the politic that we're going on, and Robert just talked about it. It's a strand in the world we live in, and we're going to just talk about that more in the next segment. When we talk about the screw job that we're sort of all in right now with the way major sports franchises are run and set up where towns like Milwaukee and other communities could be bullied by the billionaire owners and more broadly by a league that are is a monopoly and doesn't have to play fair and that's the same thing we're under with this awful gerrymandered legislature so folks please get involved we will talk more in upcoming weeks hopefully this fight is on and this is not over by next week and i say that because it could be if we don't have a fight so please call the governor 608-266-1212 
We will be right back after this break. We're going to be joined. We're going to, as I said, we're going to dive in deep on this effort by uh, the billionaire owner of the Brewers, Mark Antanasio, to try and fleece us and get our money so he can get rich. Uh, so we get the privilege of being able to continue to watch baseball in Milwaukee. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin, where Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are really happy to have a special guest with us, and uh, that is Dan Schaefer. And Dan writes in Substack, and for it's called the Recombobulation Area. Dan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Well, first of all, Dan, um, we asked you to come on because you write a lot about the effort of Mark Antanasio uh, to try and get tax dollar tax dollars for his team. Uh, to cover stadium costs. And so we're really glad to have you on. But before we dive into that, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. And and in particular, especially if they enjoy this conversation, where, you know, where they can find you in the recombobulation area. What a great name. Well, if nothing uh, so else, tell us more. If, if nothing else with the recombobulation area, uh, I know I got the name right. You uh, definitely I, did. It's, you know, I, I obviously I have the name. It's named after the famous post-security area uh, in the Milwaukee airport where you could, where you put your shoes back on and gather your things and, and move off to your destination, which I thought worked well as a political opinion column because we have a very discombobulating news cycle. And so the, the recombobulation area serves as a way to to kind of put those pieces back together, you know, and, and figure out the best path forward for Wisconsin politics. So. Uh, I, I really wanted to to lean into that as as a metaphor, both for what I do and and uh, you know it's also just a uniquely Milwaukee thing. There's no other airport in the world that has a recombobulation area, so uh, I always love that aspect of it too as well. I was just going to interject. I had the same reaction when I first saw the recombobulation area, but I didn't think to name something after it. So so great job. There's something weird about and and striking about that. <laughs> So Dan, real quick, just tell our listeners, like, what do you, what do you typically write about uh, in the recombobulation area? Uh, obviously we're super interested in what you've been having to say as it relates to this uh, effort to get tax dollars. Yeah. So I've, uh, I started the recombobulation area as a part-time uh, effort a few years ago while I was a stay-at-home dad. I've been a journalist in Milwaukee for more than a decade, but I really wanted to get back to writing something with a voice, with a perspective. Um, and, and, you know, really have an opinion on news and politics in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. There's there's a lot that this state, uh, there's a lot to write about when it comes to news and politics in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. Uh, and well, so I've covered everything from, uh, you know, the previewing. I, last fall, I previewed all 116 races on the ballot in the Wisconsin State Legislature. Uh, so everything from that to covering I-94 expansion to uh, covering, you know, just kind of Mar every Marquette poll, uh, all sorts of different stuff. And, and we've done a lot this spring covering uh, the spring election for Wisconsin Supreme Court, uh, the state budget, the shared revenue fight. Uh, so there's been there's been no shortage uh, of things for us to uh, to write and talk about at the recombobulation area this year. Well, I think our listeners now have a good idea why we asked you to come on. Those are things we regularly uh, talk about. And also just, I'll say this, this is our 
Our listeners know this. We believe strongly in alternative uh, sources of media. We think they're critical. We think that's where real, real shit is happening right now uh, and where you got to go get your good information. And so we want to expose our listeners when we can to people who are actually providing real content. And um, I think if I am correct, Dan, you also come with... Like you have a particular interest in bringing data and uh, shall I say facts and uh, things like that into the discussion. <laughs> yeah, I love a good study. You know, I, I love a lot of you know, a lot of facts and information. I'll write I'll, I'll be I'm the type of nerd that gets excited by a new Wisconsin policy forum report or, or whatever it might be. Uh, but, yeah, I use a lot of a lot of facts, a lot of data in my in my reporting. Absolutely. And I think, you know, like you said, it's it's really important to have independent media in Wisconsin because, you know, the uh, traditional media is so dominated in Wisconsin by the Gannett ownership and, and other chain corporate ownership. So I think it's really important to have, you know, independent voices in, in uh, Wisconsin media talking about, uh, you know, things like our, our crazy Republican controlled state legislature. So uh, well, always good to put, uh, put a little bit of sunlight on what they're doing. Totally agree. So let's dive in, though, Dan, let's talk. Let's talk about this effort by the Brewers. We have we have discussed this actually a bit on on our show. Um, But here's what the update is for our listeners who probably have already figured this out. Like the big news lately is that the effort to try to put this in the state budget clearly has failed. Um, And and to remind our listeners, right, Governor Evers said he was going to try to put in around 300 million or so into the state budget to, to basically give to Mark Antanasio. I know everyone likes to say to the brewers, but let's be honest, this, this is a team that is owned by Mark Antanasio. Um, and that caught flack publicans and some of our allies like Senator Larson and folks on the, on the left uh, also, you know, helped, kill this it's it's it has not happened in the state budget but please folks it ain't going away and so we want to dive into this so this is a perfectly appropriate time to talk to somebody like yourself dan who's got a little bit more data facts but dan help from your perspective lay out to our listeners why and what you found in terms of you know why state taxpayers ought to really think long and hard about giving over their money to mark antanasio yeah so in addition to you know covering and following what's happening with American Family Field and this proposal by the governor and you know what looks to be a standalone piece of legislation uh, that will come out at some point this year, uh, so I, I when I was at Milwaukee Magazine a number of years ago, I covered the Bucks Arena uh, conversation and 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 I th- I've really have been thinking lately about how different the conversation around the Bucks Arena was to the Brewers because, you know, the Bucks Arena debate started with the contribution from the new Bucks ownership and from Herb Cole to commit, you know, $200 million uh, towards the, you know, construction of the new arena. And we had so many conversations in and around the city of Milwaukee about like how to leverage that investment, how to, you know, whether we want to keep the Bucks here, how we want to do it, if it's going to set up more development downtown. And with the Brewers, the conversation has just been, yeah, we need more money than you gave the bucks. And it's just for maintenance and upgrades, not talking about any larger impact on the city of Milwaukee, not leveraging this investment to do something transformative uh, for Milwaukee County or anything like that. It's just, 
give us money for upgrades and maintenance and like, uh, you know, repave the parking lot. It's, it's just a very uninspiring conversation right now. And I think the kind of, you know, legacy business community lining up behind this effort, despite the complete lack of creativity that's there in this plan. I think, I think with stadium funding deals, they're mostly bad, but I think if you do it right, you can have an impact. And I think that's what we saw with the Bucks arena. I think they ultimately did it as good as you can get uh, with that deal and, and aimed for the transformative impact, you know, building things like the deer district, all the other ancillary development that's happening downtown. Where's, where's the focus on that for, for the Brewers stadium, you know, where's the focus on really doing something differently uh, for the West side of Milwaukee? Well, Dan, that is exactly, that's, a we, we came into the conversation exactly that same way. I was super convinced oh, this came out of nowhere. What the hell's going on? Why, by the way, the first time they did the first stadium money, right too, it was also while messed up a long public debate, just ask George Petak, right? But you're absolutely right. The Bucks organizationally went about this very different in terms of how they opened up to the community all kinds of public forums. I remember being down at the war memorial for a public forum, all kinds of taking public input. Uh, you mentioned the deer district. In addition, the ownership also met with labor unions, tried to figure out how to make sure that these jobs weren't the shit jobs that often sometimes follow. Right. And this is also reflected in when you walk into Fiserv, it, it, it's a distinctly Milwaukee feel to it. It's not suburban uh, and not sterile the way the Bradley Center was. Uh, so that is well worth noting. Um, it, 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 and so, Dan, go further into this. I want to give you a further opportunity, obviously. So that's just the public approach. Other thoughts in terms of concerns that you have? Yeah, one of the other things that, that I reported at the recombobulation area uh, was that the initial proposal for the uh, for the ballpark that Evers put forth, it came with a property tax exemption for anything built on land owned by the Southeastern Wisconsin Professional Ballpark District. So if they were to, you know, let's say, I don't know, just build concession stands, or even just like if they wanted to build restaurants or housing or, or whatever with some of the land that they own around there, that would be a property tax exempt in perpetuity. So they were really trying to put, you know, everything into this deal that would really benefit the brewers and not in a way that was transformative. You know, I think one of the, you know, I'm a Brewers fan. I'm a Bucks fan. I live in Milwaukee. I love going to games. But I think one of the downsides of the Brewer Stadium is the lack of ancillary development. And I think you go back and look at the decision to rebuild the stadium right out there. Uh, right next to Milwaukee County Stadium. I think it was a missed opportunity to not build it somewhere downtown, build it maybe by the lakefront where it would have some of the transformative impact. And now I think you have an opportunity to, you know, with the conversations happening around I-94 expansion, with, uh, you know, the stadium freeway getting studied about its future being reimagined, uh, the stadium interchange going to be looked different. I think it's a perfect time to be thinking about how to leverage an investment like this to really make something different for the west side of Milwaukee. And, and I think we're really missing that piece of the conversation too. We're going to take our first break. Uh, and when we come back from that break, Robert, I'm going to have you come with the next follow-up uh, and we're going to continue th this great conversation. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. 
we're talking with Dan Schaefer about the effort by Mark Antanasio to get uh, currently, we'll see what the next package is around $300 million uh, for uh, his stadium. Uh, Dan, well, first, Robert, you, I want to go to you to have a follow-up question uh, to, to Dan. Yeah, and I know you've, Dan, dug into data about how from st the Stanford Economic Development, which is supposed to be about creating jobs for average people, increasing economic equity and opportunity, sports stadiums even better done, like the Brewers, are not the best use of that money. Uh, and you have a situation where you have monopoly leagues that can play, especially small markets, off against each other. In other words, uh, Governor Pritzker in Illinois can tell the Bears to take a hike on any subsidy, but where are the Bears going? The Bears aren't moving to, to you know, Memphis or 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 any at Portland, Oregon. It's it, it's Chicago, but Milwaukee is more vulnerable. I know when. Uh, the Brewers folks met with Chris Larson, uh, state setter and uh, the ally of ours. He he said, so I understand if you don't get this, you're going to move. And they go, oh, no, 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 no. We're not saying that at all. No, no, no. And uh, he also said to me, which is interesting, you know, they stopped the, the tax from the special district because it wasn't needed anymore. And then all of a sudden, when there's a budget surplus, now we need all this money. So it's a little bit suspicious, almost like they thought they saw a way to get at some of that surplus. But can you speak to the, however bad this is, obviously it affects the uh, quality of life. I don't know how to measure that economically of Wisconsin. This is a statewide team, not to have a major league baseball team. And what does a Milwaukee do? Because these folks are in a place, economically, they call this rent-seeking. In other words, they have this unique monopoly where they can demand whatever it is to take to takes to get them there because they can. And a whole lot of the problems with modern neoliberalism is big corporations, others finding a way to rent seek and not provide value and get extra benefit. And that's a lot of what's wrong with our society, actually. But is there a way around that for a Wisconsin and a Milwaukee? Well, I think the one thing that you have to, you know, consider with it is the you know it, it, it would be it would, the, there's been proposals to talk about funding it at multiple levels of government and that's and that's kind of what we saw with the bucks arena deal as well where it, there was funding from the state and contributions from the county contributions from uh from the city and i think bring the way robin voss has talked about this proposal saying that you need city and county money for the brewers to get this deal done and not and not have it be exclusively state money you know that's going to be a real problem i think for for the negotiations with this because we just saw the milwaukee county board passed a resolution opposing uh any county funding and we just had this shared revenue debate uh in the city and county and and at the state saying that like milwaukee is going to fall off this fiscal cliff uh in 2025 or 2027 with the city and county respectively and asking the city and county to to spend for the brewers when they're facing you know steep cuts across the board to public services that are already hollowed out uh by us through the austerity of the 2010s 
And now to ask for this, the stadium is, is, you know, the economics on this, you look at the data, it's, it's never good. It's, it's rarely, you know, says that, yes, these, these investments always work great. It very rarely does. I think the Bucks Arena one is kind of an exception, uh, ultimately, but, but I think, you know, if you really look at the economics, it's not the best way to spend public, public dollars. And especially at this particular time, we've got so many needs that are not being met through the state budget. We have these, this crunch at the city and county to get, get through the shared revenue fight and, and figure out the best way to navigate forward over this fiscal cliff, you know, to, to ask for, for Robin Voss to ask city and county leaders as, as he's, you know, writing these requirements of them in this shared, shared revenue bill is, is just really, really ridiculous. I, I just need to step in for one second here and just say, look, all of this, this discussion has been fantastic because it gets to the specifics and the problems with the way this is being rolled out and the details where you're even in a discussion already of like, how do you make this the best possible since we're screwed basically because, and this has to be stated. And I think we have to think about this broader than just Milwaukee. And we have time. This idea that we have a gun to our head and this all has to be decided right away is ridiculous. Just like the whole phony deadline on the state budget, drag this out, leverage your power. We need to do this as it relates to being a community fighting back for our baseball team and all these broader sports. Cause folks, the whole thing is corrupt. The whole system is set up to fail because they have the monopoly status. They have tax breaks. We do not actually know what their financing is. Um, and the reality is these things are worth, the brewers are already worth over a billion dollars, right? Why in God's name would we give any money to somebody who owns something outright that's worth over a billion dollars? It's absurd. And we also know that we can't even trust the finances that they put forward because of already well-documented way that not only the owners are able to write off stuff, you know, it's unbelievable. So what is very frustrating in the situation is it's almost like there needs to be both a local approach to like educate the population about this, but also a federal approach to go after federally what's going on with these exemptions the whole bally situation that's going on we have no idea how much money the brewers are potentially going to lose when they have to go to all streaming and they lose third what we don't know because that deal is not fully public 35 40 million dollars a year uh in their current package i don't think they're going to make that up unless mlb is going to share revenue there's so much going on dan this is like, it's beyond Milwaukee to deal with this. We're set up to get screwed. And that's what Sen Senator Larson was getting at. Your thoughts on why do we not expand this fight and get into Congress and start having a serious alignment, broader organizing with the other communities, right? Robert's right. There's only so many Chicago's, right? Uh, do they want this to become the Premier League, Dan? Yeah, I think that's such a great point when you talk about um, you know, just just the larger kind of effort because it's it ultimately comes down differently based on the market you're in, right? It's like like you said, the Chicago Bears are not moving. Uh, but you know, there was the real threat, like with the Bucks Arena, they were there was a chance that they were going to, 
you know, there were various people who were trying to buy the team and move them to Seattle. So I think, you know, there's some certainly some predatory aspects that come down on these smaller markets. And I think you see it in the NBA and in Major League Baseball specifically. You know, I think think the NFL is such a cash cow. It almost doesn't matter what the market is like the team. You know, it doesn't matter if it's in Green Bay, Wisconsin, you're still going to make billions of dollars. Um, but whether it's the Bucks or the Brewers in, in these types of markets uh, where they're going to be vulnerable to those types of threats, I think that does warrant a larger conversation because it's it's a different dynamic if you're the Yankees versus the Brewers or if you're the uh, the the um, you know the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Milwaukee Bucks. I think I think that does warrant you know a larger conversation at, at a at a federal level. It's frustrating because this is sold as the Brewers are going to get money. The Brewers, the Brewers, right? It's not the Brewers. It's Mark Antanasio, who is, folks, he's a billionaire. I know if you try to go look at Google it, they try to tell you he's worth $700 million. Trust me, he's a billionaire because his team's worth a billion point two dollars at minimum, right? <laughs> it's just, it's uh, incredibly frustrating, Dan. Um, before we go... And uh, we have to let you go, Dan. Any final thoughts you have on this? And where where do you see this headed? Uh, and what you know, in terms of if you had to prognosticate um, the next steps, since it's yeah, likely I, as I you imagine, said to move in the legislature. I imagine there's going to be a standalone bill introduced in the legislature. You know, the way Robin Voss works, he even even if he liked Evers' plan, he would he would try to come out with his. His own because he wants to take credit for everything. Uh, he, he's going to try and fund the fund the brewers and, and tell everybody that he alone saved Milwaukee. Right. Um, <laughs> but but I think I think you're going to get a lot of pushback from the local level on this at the city and county government that just went through this shared revenue fight and talking about how they're going to have to cut cities and county services further hollow out the public sector. And, and this is just it's just the wrong time. Uh, to be having this debate. And I think it's going to be really important for local leaders to make their voices clear on this, to say, we're not spending on this. You know, we, there was a, the, the five county tax was what ended up going way longer than it ever, we ever thought it would. Uh, we spent hundreds of millions of dollars already uh, that, that, that removed funding from local needs. We can't do this one. Uh, so I think, I think it, you're, you're going to have a pretty, pretty prickly fight uh, especially between Robin Voss and the state legislature and, and local leaders in Milwaukee. Well, Dan, first of all, thank you. Thank you for coming on, uh, talking with us uh, about this specific issue. But more broadly, I want to thank you for being an independent voice uh, out there that is absolutely desperately critically needed for a functioning democracy. So we really appreciate you, Dan. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I'm uh, uh, always, uh, always enjoy a good conversation. Well, and this will not be the last time, listeners, that we're going to be talking about this because, as Dan said, it is not going away. And just so you know, uh, for folks who want to know the writing on the wall, uh, Mr. Antanasio is in charge of the MLB's effort to take a look at how they handle moving uh, of Oakland and other teams. So, believe me. The planning is in the works to force Milwaukee to try to leverage to get our monies. Folks, we're we're going to be here to fight back and to push back and find ways for us as sports fans and citizens to not feel like we have to just give away our baseball team. But we got to roll. 
folks we hope to see you next week again you can find us at citizenactionwi.org and again we want to thank Daniel Schaefer for joining us we'll see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin